Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Tuesday, August 18th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. On today's show, I'm going to flip the order from what I had it last week. So right after this intro, I'm going to start with my best bets for Tuesday night's games, for Tuesday, August 18th games. I got two bets in Major League Baseball and then two bets in the National Hockey League. Then I'm going to move on from that and move into this week's PGA Tour tournament, which is the Northern Trust, the first tournament in the FedEx Cup playoffs. And then I'm going to talk about this week's UFC event. I'm not going to get into it too much, but I'm going to give a couple bets that I really like. I'll also touch on how bad I've been in UFC recently and how fading me this week will probably be a good idea. And then I'm going to give a really quick take on the NBA playoffs and who I think will meet in the finals. And then lastly, the second segment, the second half of the show, I'm going to talk about the spectrum of sports bettors. What makes a good sports better? What makes a bad sports better? What makes me angry about the current state of sports bettors? and kind of educate people who aren't fully aware of the full spectrum of sports bettors, from the best ones to the worst ones. And then finally, I'm just going to give a quick personal update, because this weekend I'm playing in a huge golf tournament called the East Coast Cup, and I haven't been more nervous for anything else before in my entire life. So that's what's on this schedule for today's episode, the Tuesday, August 18th episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. Before we get into it really quick, just be sure to subscribe to the show, rate it, review it if you like it. If you don't like it, that's fine. You can hate it secretly. Don't give me a bad review. (laughs) I've already had more listeners than I imagined I was going to when I first started this, so I appreciate all of you for listening. Please rate it. Please review it. Also, if you feel like donating to the show, there is a link in the description um, that you can donate to the show. Or you can go to the website. You can find the link to the website um, in the in my bio on Twitter, or just Google Bacon Bets Podcast, and it'll come up. And on the podcast homepage, there'll be a button at the top. It has a coin and little heart over it. You can donate through PayPal. Uh, once again, though, like I, I mentioned this last week when I brought this up, don't feel like you have to donate. Don't even feel like you should donate. Um, but if you enjoy the content I put out, if I've helped you win some money at some point in time with some bets, if you have the extra money, please, please, please do not donate. If you're hurting for money right now, I know a lot of people are in the pandemic, but if you have some extra money, if you've enjoyed the content, the option is there and I would be forever grateful for that. But without further ado, let's get into the Tuesday, August 18th episode of the Bacon Bets Podcast. All right, let's get into it. Like I said, I'm going to start uh, reverse order this time compared to last week. So we're going to start with my best bets for Tuesday, August 18th. Obviously, the majority of you people who listen to this listen to it on the first day that it comes out. So my best bets are for tonight's games. If you're listening to this after Tuesday night, either skip ahead 10-15 minutes, check the um, 
timestamps in the description or listen along to see how wrong or right I was about these picks. I got four picks, two in MLB, two in NHL, and I love them a lot. Well, I love three of them. One of them I'm not sure about, but I'll get into that. So the first pick I'm taking for tonight's game, Tuesday, August 18th, is going to be the Oakland Athletics. And I'm going to take them on the run line at even money. So if you don't know what the run line is, it's for them to win by at least two runs. And they are going up against the Arizona Diamondbacks. So starting pitchers. This is one of the best starting pitchers so far this season against one of the absolute worst. Let's look at their numbers here. Frankie Montas gets the start for the A's. 1.57 ERA, 2.53 FIP, and a 1.0 WHIP. Very good numbers by Frankie Montas. Early candidate for a Cy Young Award. Starting for the Diamondbacks, though, is Luke Weaver and his ERA and FIP and WHIP are bad. 11.85 ERA, yikes. 9.066 FIP, 2.122 WHIP. Those numbers are gross. He stinks. So like I said, truly one of the best pitchers so far this season in the majors going up against the worst. Now, they are both right-handed pitchers, so let's look at some offensive numbers for each team's against right-handed pitching A's are sixth in OPS versus right-handed pitchers Arizona is 17th so that's another advantage for the athletics and then we're going to look at the bullpen now A's still one of the best bullpens in major league baseball second in bullpen ERA at 2.32 Diamondbacks all the way down at 21st with a bullpen ERA of 5.02 I love this bet I mean, those three things I just named, all three advantage A's by a pretty wide margin. I love it on the run line at even money. Take it on the alternate minus two and a half run line if you want. Screw it, take it to minus three and a half. Get crazy with it, why don't you? I think A's absolutely smash the Diamondbacks in this matchup, which probably means that the Diamondbacks are going to win, let's be honest. Anytime you think a bet's going to go one way, especially when you're as confident as I am, it usually goes the other way. So fade me if you want. And you can get the Diamondbacks at a pretty good price. Even probably get them at a pretty good price at the reverse uh, plus one and a half run line. But there you go. That's my first pick for tonight's games. Second pick in in Major League Baseball is the pick that I'm not sure about. I'm going to take a shot on the Boston Red Sox here. As of tonight, Monday night, when I'm recording this, they're currently at even money versus the Phillies. I'm going to guess that you're going to get an even better price on it by the time you're listening to it. I'm going to guess it probably finishes at around plus 120, plus 130. We'll see. Um, I'm going to take a shot with them here. I don't have a ton of stats to back up this pick, but just hear me out. Have the Red Sox look bad this year? Yes. On paper, has Zach Eflin looked better than Zach Godley? Absolutely. Have the Phillies played well on the road so far this year? Yes. Will I regret making this pick? Almost certainly. But there's two reasons why I'm going to do it. Number one, I mean, a big part about being a sports better is determining when a regression to the mean is coming. Obviously, if you don't know what that means, if you stink at math like I do, uh, that means uh, a regression to the average. Are they actually as bad as their record is, as bad as they've been playing, or at some point are they going to go back to where they probably should be given their skill set? I think they are going to regress back to their mean. I think they are a, they're not a great team by no means, but they're a lot better than what their record shows, I think. J.D. Martinez, he's not going to keep looking like Kevin Pillar with the bat in his hand. The same can be said for Zach Godley, 8.16 ERA so far this season. He's better than that, in my opinion. 
Also, he does have a 1.53 career ERA against the Phillies, so if he's going to turn around his season, why not start now against the Phillies? I think it is time to buy low on the Boston Red Sox. Could I be wrong about that? Yes. But I think they're going to go on a run here at some point. They just have too much skill on the roster, especially on the offensive end. I'm going to buy low on the Red Sox. I'm going to take them even money versus the Phillies. And also the second reason why I'm betting against the Phillies here, their bullpen absolutely sucks. Their bullpen stinks. Stinks. Last in the majors in bullpen ERA as of recording this on Monday night at 8.77. You might as well put out Airbud at that point. Did they make a Airbud baseball movie? I don't think they did. What was it? Soccer, I think. Did they do volleyball? Also, I don't know if many people know this, but do you remember MVP, Most Valuable Primate? Basically an Airbud knockoff. He did a hockey version of it, though. Great movies. I'm buying low on the Boston Red Sox. Give me them even money versus the Phillies Tuesday night. So those are my two MLB plays. Athletics, run line, even money, and then Red Sox, even money versus the Phillies. So hopefully one of those win for me and I'll just walk away. Uh, No damage done. But hopefully I'll get both. I'll walk away up two units. They're both even money. Let's go to the NHL, the National Hockey League. Two bets I love tonight in the National Hockey League. First one, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep taking the team that I hate, the New York Islanders. I recorded on the podcast last weekend that I like the Islanders to beat the Capitals in this series. They're up three nothing as of recording this podcast. They can finish the series and sweep the Capitals uh, Tuesday night. Minus one ten as of right now. It's a pick 'em minus one ten apiece. But I kind of called how the series was going to go. The Islanders are a terrible stylistic matchup for the Capitals. They've absolutely dominated the Capitals in almost every single statistic. Let's go through some of them right now. Islanders, 55.56 Corsi percentage in this series. Uh, These are all 5-on-5 numbers, by the way. 35 high-danger scoring chances. Capitals only have 16. That's bad. Capitals only 16. That's for a team that that's... Supposed to be that good offensively, one of the best goal scorers of all time. High danger scoring chance is 16, that's bad, in three games. But that does, does go to show you how good the Islanders are defensively, especially that dumb, boring trap style that they play. Islanders also have the second highest save percentage this round. First in shooting percentage, 5-on-5 five five this round. I mean, I don't need to keep listing these numbers. The, the play is obvious, the stats are obvious. Um, also, I'm not a huge motivation guy. Some of you may know I'd hate when handicappers cite motivation uh, for teams to win. But I think it is worth saying, if you lose in overtime in the NHL playoffs to go down 3 nothing in the series, that has to be deflating, to, at least to some extent. It's got to seem like a daunting task at this point, down 3 nothing. You had a chance to make it 2-1 and you couldn't win in overtime last game. Uh, so if motivation does play a factor... Get out of here with a must-win game for the Capitals. Don't bet on the Capitals because you think it's a must-win game. Islanders are the play here. I like them as a pick-em. Minus 110. Also, I will mention, because uh, all, all the stats I mentioned there were 5-on-5, five five. Islanders' big weakness is their special teams. They've been brutal on the power play and the penalty kill. So if the Capitals are going to win, they need to take advantage of every power play they get, and they just need to step it up on defense. Uh, they, they've been bad defensively. And it hasn't all been Holpe's fault either. So there we go. Islanders minus 110. That's my third best bet for Tuesday, August 18th. Going to move on to the late game on Tuesday night. I'm going to take the Golden Knights puck line minus 1.5 plus 130 against the Blackhawks. So run line in MLB, puck line bet in NHL. I'm sure this is definitely not going to come back and bite me in the ass. 
Now, when I give my reasons for why I like the Golden Knights over the Blackhawks to win by two, it's gonna, I'm going to sound like a broken record because the Golden Knights versus the Blackhawks has basically been the Islanders versus Capitals series of the West. Golden Knights have been dismantling the Blackhawks. Yes, the Blackhawks won the last game, but you know Corey Crawford stole that game uh, for the Blackhawks. Vegas ends them tonight, in my opinion. Golden Knights third and five-on-five Corsi percentage this round, 60.91%. Second in five-on-five high-danger scoring chances at 46. Blackhawks have less than half that. Less than half the high-danger scoring chances the Golden Knights do. Only 22 high-danger scoring chances this series. Now, all these stats, I'm just going to, just a a quick anecdote here. All these stats I mentioned are all five-on-five stats. The reason why I cite five-on-five stats, yes, it's good to look at stats on when a team's on a power play and when they're killing a penalty. But if you look at just all stats all at once, then those, what if a team has got six power plays compared to the other teams only had one power play? Obviously, the team with the power play, if you just look at all strengths statistics, the numbers are going to be skewed in their favor. So... When you're handicapping hockey, little tip for you guys, it's a good idea to separate five on five with uh, power play and penalty kill. Look at all look at all of them separately. Uh, and I would even say five on five over even strength, because even strength would obviously factor in four on four or three on three. Uh, that can get kind of sketchy, because when you get four on four and three on three, then uh, style of play is completely different, way more open ice, so the stats don't really hold up the same either so look at five on five separately from your power play and penalty kill stats uh but back to my pick here gold knights minus one and a half plus 130 i mean my final point is i mean if you've just watched any of these games just the eye test it's extremely clear that vegas is head and shoulders above the blackhawks goal it's the golden knights and the avalanche in the west just like Corey crawford stole uh the last game for the blackhawks darcy kemper stole the last game for the coyotes was that last game or was that two games ago regardless coyotes are nothing compared to the Avalanche, and the Blackhawks are nothing compared to the Golden Knights. So, uh, Recap my four best bets for Tuesday, August 18th. Taking the Oakland Athletics minus one and a half on the run line. Even money as of Monday night against Arizona Diamondbacks. Then I'm going to the Red Sox, just straight up money line, even versus the Phillies. And I'm taking Islanders minus 110 versus the Capitals and Golden Knights minus one and a half plus 130 versus Blackhawks. One of the reasons why I'm going puck line and run line, by the way, I feel it's kind of a waste of time for me to record a podcast, give you guys picks, and I just give out like minus 170 favorites. Like, uh, come on. You can you can just look at the board and pick favorites if that's just what you want to do. So uh, I'm going to be a little bit more aggressive for you guys. I'm going to take those minus one and a half lines. If you don't want to get that aggressive, I don't blame you at all. Lay the juice. Lay the juice minus, what is it, Gold Knights are probably what, minus 170, probably both them and the A's I think are minus 170, minus 160 on the money line. I'm not going to give that as a pick though, I'm, I, I like to live on the edge. So there you go, those are my best bets for Tuesday, August 18th. Let's move on to the PGA Tour, the Northern Trust, the first tournament of the FedEx Cup playoffs. For the second year now, there's only three rounds of the FedEx Cup playoffs. So top 125 players in FedEx Cup points are going to be competing in the Northern Trust. The top 70 after this event will move on to, what is it, the BMW Championship next weekend? And then the top 30 after that move on to the Tour Championship. It's so clear, by the way, how much the PJ Tour tries to shove the FedEx Cup points down the fans' playoffs. And fans, I mean, don't care as much as the PJ Tour wants them to. 
Fans care about majors. That's what they care about. They're trying to make the FedEx Cup thing so there's a season to it, so it kind of resembles other sports, but it's just maybe it will get there someday. It's not there yet. I mean, the majors, two two majors this year, the U.S. Open and, and the Masters, won't even be worth FedEx Cup points because they got delayed till after the FedEx Cup uh, finals at the Tour Championship. So they're not even going to be worth FedEx Cup points, but people are going to care about those way more than they're going to care about the Tour Championship. Regardless, I digress. Let's get into my betting preview here. You guys know what I'm going to do. I'm going to break down the course, which is TPC Boston. I'm going to give you my five key stats, and I'm going to give you my three golfers I'll be backing this week. Last week, Patrick Reed looked good. He didn't play good enough on Saturday. He didn't score enough birdies to win the event, uh, but he did finish top 10. He cashed that top 10 bet for us. Uh, Joaquin Neiman and Christian Bezudenut did not finish top 20 like I hoped they would. Uh, they were there. They made the cut. I think they both finished in the 30s, so... Uh, I felt I handicapped that event all right, but the bets just didn't come through. That happens. All right, let's get into TPC Boston. It's a par 71, 7,216 yards long, just about. Now, right off the bat, I'm going to tell you guys this is going to be a tough event to handicap for a couple of reasons. First reason is it's an easy course. One of the reasons why last week's event was kind of difficult, too. Winner usually shoots in the mid to high teens, but not only is it an easy course, but it's a stacked field. Obviously, the top 125 players in the FedEx Cup standing, so it's the best golfers in the world. So you combine the best golfers in the world at an easier course, literally anyone could win. Any of the 125 guys could win this weekend. It's all about who's going to bring their A game. But then the third reason that I think this event is kind of hard to handicap, because TPC Boston doesn't have any defining features really doesn't really have any things that you say well golfers have to do this really well in order to shoot well we've seen in the past any type of golfer can win this event we've seen long hitters win the event we've seen short but accurate guys win the event we've seen good putters we've seen bad putters so it's it's a little bit more difficult to kind of determine those real key stats that are going to play a huge role but what I have noticed uh, through my research is that the long game does seem more important than the short game. So off the tee, maybe a little less off the tee, more approach play. Approach play is going to be more important. Uh, short game, chipping, putting, scrambling, not as important. So most of my key stats are all going to be either scoring related or off the tee approach play related. So let's get into those right now. Oh, actually, by the way, Tiger Woods is back in action for you Tiger fans out there. 40 to 1 this week. Uh, to be honest, as far as value goes, that might not be terrible value. If, if you're a Tiger better, it was back when he was like always listed like 15 to 1 that I was like, no, that's not it. 40 to 1, I mean, the two events he's played in since the break, he finished, what, 38th and 40th? Eh, if he gets hot, who knows? I won't be betting on him, though, but just in case you people didn't know, Tiger Woods, he's back. It's fun to watch, at least. I might do some round bets on him, we'll see. Um, oh, by the way, one more thing, sorry, and then I'll get into the key stats. Did anyone tail my Troy Merritt bet 2-1 to one, three ball bet on Thursday? You literally can't have a worse, well, I mean, maybe you could have a worse bad beat, but Troy Merritt 2-1 to one against Kisner and Jim Herman, the guy who went on to win. Uh, Troy Merritt, one stroke lead heading into the 18th hole, and Jim Herman, who, congrats to him, came out of nowhere to win the event, but this was on Thursday's round, eagled out from like 140 yards, holed out from 140 yards. For the two-stroke swing to beat Troy Merritt at two to one in that group, that was a stinger. Hold out, so it's not even like he birdied and then just uh, tied. So you kind of you got that two-way tie, which would have paid out even money, which would have been fine. I would have been happy with that. No, he had to eagle out from 140 yards. That's a stinger. 
that's why I kind of stopped round betting after that. I was like, if that's how my weekend's going to start, then I'll just uh, stop betting and stop betting PGA and uh, move on to next week. So that's what we're doing. Finally, we're going to get to my key stats here. So I'm starting off strokes gain T to green. Like I said, the long game is going to be more important than the short game this week. So strokes gain T to green, it just kind of takes everything into consideration from the tee box to the green. So that's it's not going to be a, it's not a very specific stat, but it's going to give us an overall look at how uh, everyone's long and approach game is. So strokes gain T to green is my first key stat. Second, I'm looking at ball striking. This has been one of my favorite stats to look at the past few weeks. Similar to strokes gain tee to green, but it's a little bit more specific. It takes greens and regulation into account. Uh, I always read this because ball striking just sounds like such a general term. I always read the definition. It's ball striking is computed by totaling a player's rank in both total driving and greens and regulation. It's been a pretty useful stat. I've liked it quite a bit the past few weeks. Third stat, I'm looking at proximity to the hole. Just general proximity to the hole. So that tells you how close the golfer can get the ball to the hole on their approach shot to the green. Uh, greens and regulation, all well and good, but if the golfer has a 40-foot putt uh, every time that he uh, gets on the green, I mean, it's going to be hard to score birdies, and you need to score birdies at this event. Also, the greens at TPC Boston are slightly larger than the average green on tour, so uh, we're going to get guys hitting greens this week. We need those guys who stick it close, who can throw darts. Then we're going to look at birdie to bogey ratio, which is going to be one of my key stats for any event that is going to be a low-scoring event. Uh, I said the last five winners were, were uh, mid to high teens, 16 under, 17 under, 15 under, 15 under, and 15 under. Scoring a lot of pars is all well and good, but if you don't score birdies sometimes, then you're not going to win a low-scoring event, and guys who get bogeys are just going to be screwed from the start. Uh, then my fifth and final key stat, uh, par three efficiency from 200 to 225 yards. So the par threes of this course are actually pretty long. So I think one of them is only like 186 or something, but the other two fall within that 200 to 225 yard category. And then the third one is 231 yards. So, I mean, it's basically 225, six yards over. So basically falls into that same category I think those par threes are going to be key. Uh, you need guys who are not going to give up strokes on those holes. I mean, if you have a par 3 over 200 yards, the goal is not to birdie those. The goal is to par those, and you'll probably gain strokes on the field if you can just par those long par 3s. Obviously, getting a birdie or two on them throughout the weekend could be the difference maker. That could be huge. Um, but guys who can par those par 3s are, are going to be important. And then finally... I don't count it as a key stat, but always, I mean, we have to look at putting. If you're just going to ignore putting completely, then you're missing half the game. So let's look at putting there as a little sixth asterisk key stat. Now, before I get into my five key stats, I uh, just want to mention, because I just said how uh, it's going to be a low-scoring round, don't forget, don't look at past Northern Trust results. Look at the past results at TPC Boston, because TPC Boston was the home to the Dell Technologies Championship. Uh, when the PGA Tour decided to cut the uh, FedEx Cup playoffs from four weeks to three weeks, they cut off the Dell Technologies Championship, and now TPC Boston is going to be a rotating ho host of the Northern Trust. So don't look at Northern Trust previous performance because last year it was, what, Liberty National, I think, last year, so that those stats and those numbers are irrelevant. Look at the Dell Technology Championships past few years, and before that it was the Deutsche Bank Championship. Uh, so that's just a key thing to keep in mind. I don't want people looking at uh, last year's Northern Trust results and base that on how golfers are going to do this year. Okay, my three golfers I'm going to back. For the Northern Trust, 
I'm going to start off with John Rom. So as of recording this, there's no top 5, top 10, or top 20 odds, so I'll just say what I'm going to take. Uh, I have a general idea what they're going to be based on what their odds are to win. So John Rom to win as of right now, 14-1. to 1. He was obviously the number one golfer in the world after winning the Memorial Tournament a few weeks back. Uh, he lost that spot to Justin Thomas after only one week. Um, but when you're talking about pure ball strikers, uh, two of the three guys I'm going to back here are really known as pure ball strikers. John Rom is one of them. Ranks in the top 10 in strokes gained tee to green, ball striking, and birdie to bogey ratio, which will all be key this week. He's also 31st in strokes gained putting, so his putter has the ability to really get hot at any time, but he does have a weak point. The weak point as of right now is the, that uh, proximity to the hole stat that I cited. He ranks 186th in proximity to the hole, which is kind of surprising based on his uh, ball striking skills, but then again, he's a very good putter, so even though he doesn't necessarily get the ball uh, tucked up to the pin on every single approach shot, his his good putting kind of makes up for that. Also, he knows how to play this course well. Uh, in 2017, at the Dell Technologies Championship, he finished tied for fourth. Uh, that was the year, I believe, Justin Thomas won. Last year, he finished, I think it was somewhere in the 20s as well. Uh, so regardless, he, he he's played well both uh, times here. Like I said, almost won it in 2014, or sorry, 2017, tied for fourth. So he knows how to play this course. I'm going to take him top five and top ten. I'm not going to take him to win outright. Uh, I still got PTSD from having DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson there, right there, uh, into the final round of the PGA Championship and blowing it for me. So I'm going to be uh, as conservative, but at the same time aggressive as you can get with John Rahm. Give him to me top five and top ten this week. Second pick for the Northern Trust. I said two guys that are going to bet on were going to be pure ball strikers. The second one, can you guess? If I'm talking ball strikers. I'll give you a hint. A ball striker who sucks at putting. I'll give you five seconds to guess. Ball striker who sucks at putting. Who am I backing? I am backing Hideki Matsuyama. If you if that was your answer when I said good ball striker who can't putt, congratulations, you win nothing. Good day, sir. You win nothing. Shout out to everyone who got that reference. Uh, yeah, so Hideki Matsuyama, great ball striker, obviously, he's 33-1 to to win. Sucks at putting, 197th in strokes gained putting, he's terrible, but his ball striking is so good, he really only needs to have an average week weekend with a flat stick to put up low numbers. Second on tour in strokes gained tee to green, 27th in ball striking, 16th in birdie to bogey ratio, which is actually kind of surprising, he's 16th in birdie to bogey ratio, despite being one of the worst putters on tour. Um, so this course kind of fits him because you don't necessarily need to be a great putter to win at TPC Boston. Uh, also, he's another guy who's been within striking distance of winning at TPC Boston several times over the past four years. Here are his results in the past four years at TPC Boston. So because they didn't have an event here last year, this is from 2018 to 2015. Uh, tied for fourth, tied for 23rd, tied for 15th, and tied for 25th. So that's four straight top 25 finishes at TPC Boston. I'm going to take him top five, and then I'm just going to take him top 20. My third and final pick for the Northern Trust. A guy who has kind of flown under the radar recently. He's in that group of that those young guns with Colin Morikawa being hot recently, winning uh, two tournaments the past month or so, one of them being a major. Uh, Matthew Wolf in contention with a few weeks. This is a guy who 
the past few weeks hasn't shown his best stuff, but I think his style fits the course very well, and I think we're getting good value because he's been kind of, kind of flying under the radar uh, in recent weeks. And that's the Nor- Norwegian Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland? That was the worst Nor- Norwegian accent of all time. Victor, Victor Hovland. That's terrible. I gotta stop trying that. Okay, Victor Hovland. Let's look at his numbers. 19th strokes gained tee to green, tied for 30th in ball striking, tied for 25th in proximity to the hole, 36th in birdie to bogey ratio, tied for 63rd in that par 3 200 to 225 yard scoring. His one weakness is putting at 134th, but that's one of the reasons why his style fits his course very well, because as I mentioned, you can be an average putter and win here at TPC Boston. So all those numbers, he fits well, he's a ball striker, he's accurate, he gets it close to the pin, he has an average weekend with his putter, and he'll be right there at the end of it. So I'm going to take Victor Hovland, just top 20. I'm just going to take him top 20. I wouldn't blame anyone who would want to get more aggressive with him. Uh, I'm tempted to take him top 10 as well. Uh, but let's just hang back. Let's hang back a little on Hovland for myself. Anyway, I'm going to take him top 20. If he's 66 to 1, what's top 20 going to be? What, 3.5 to 1? 375? Yeah, I like Victor Hovland there. So that's my third and final pick for the Northern Trust at TPC Boston. Finally, let's get into UFC. I'm not going to break down the entire card here. I'm just going to give a few fights that I like. Um... I mean, I have to say the elephant in the room. I've been cold as ice in UFC. Fade me in UFC. I know I give picks and I, and I do study for my picks and, and I give reasoning behind them. Um, I don't get insulted if you guys fade me. What I don't necessarily like is got, is is telling me on Twitter, laughing, crying emoji, clown emoji, uh, fade this guy, I've been making millions. Just do it quietly. And in the UFC, in other sports, I maybe wouldn't recommend it. In UFC right now, especially with how I've been betting recently, fade me in UFC. Fade me! Fade me! I I had the reverse sweep, which is almost as impressive as as an actual sweep last weekend. What was I, 0 for 6? And even the fights that I didn't bet on, like I, if I like would have gone through like the final six or seven fights, if I would have gone through through them and just picked despite odds who I thought was going to win, I think I would would have gone over seven, over six, whatever it was. Bad, 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 bad. And then I think what last week, the weekend before, uh, I gave two picks. I think it was the underdog in the co-main and the main, and I lost that one too. So I'm like over eight dating back to the previous card before UFC 252, but. Uh, I admit it. I'm on a cold streak. It happens. I don't claim to be the best UFC better in the world. Fade these picks and you'll probably do well this weekend. All right. Enough shitting on myself. I want to talk about a guy in a prelim who I wish we were getting better value on. And this is a guy who I actually wanted to see in the UFC forever. Timur Valiev. He's making his UFC debut, but he's minus 500 against Mark Stregel. I actually interviewed Timur Valiev back in the day, back when he fought for WSOF World Series of Fighting. If you guys don't know, and I assume the large majority of people who listen to this and follow me on Twitter don't know, I actually got my start writing about sports and running social media accounts for sports websites with a website that's called MMA Latest News. I don't even know if that website exists anymore. The head guy from it, is actually he's actually moved on to he's actually a pretty successful MMA media guy he's one of the top guys in MMA media now especially from England Jim Edwards if you follow UFC if you follow UFC guys on Twitter you probably follow him uh, another guy Matthew Wells who's been doing quite well for himself 
those are the two guys I worked with and, a, and obviously a bunch of other guys as well on a website called MMA Latest News. Obviously, I did it all for free. That's how you got to build up experience in this field. You don't just start it with a paid position right away. So I just volunteered for that. I used to write articles. I used to help run their social media accounts. Um, but the reason why I'm saying this is because one of my main roles as a writer for MMA Latest News was to um, write about the fighters. I had an article like top 50 fighters outside of the UFC to try to educate um, the guys in the in, in the not not and the non-UFC promotions, the second-tier promotions, give them a little bit more uh, eyes on their work because still then and still now, uh, not necessarily all the best fighters are in the UFC. There's some very, very good fighters outside the UFC. Team Yaravaliev was one of those guys. I interviewed him once. He was always in my top 10 of guys uh, who I was ranking who were outside the UFC. I'm very happy that he's finally in the UFC. Minus 500, though. I wish because he was making his UFC de debut, we, we, we were going to get better odds on him, but we're not. If you want to lay down $500 to win $100, bucks, I, I think it's a lock. I think this guy is going to make a run here. Also, not just because he's good, but he's what is he? he's got to be Russian, right? Team Uravaliev, some kind of Eastern European. I can't bet against Eastern Europeans and Russians. Yeah, he's Russian. That's what I figured, but can't bet against them. Russians dominate UFC. Uh, minus 500 if you want to lay the juice go ahead but i just wanted to briefly shout him out two fights co-main and main event i have picks for in the ufc the co-main event let's start uh, with that osp versus alonzo minifield i'm going to take osp aka Ovan saint Preux, plus 105 uh, so i like him as a slight underdog his recent record's bad, 2-4 and four over his last six fights, but he's kind of fought the who's who of the light heavyweight. He moved up to heavyweight his last fight, lost to Ben Rothwell. But I think I think this is a, a bounce-back fight for him. Alonzo Minfield, on the other hand, lost to Devin Clark his last time out by unanimous decision, but that was De um, Minifield's first loss, professional loss. Before that, he was 9-0, nine straight finishes, seven coming in the first round. So that makes me a little bit nervous betting against him, but... Minifield lost the grappling exchange to Devin Clark. I think that's where OSP can beat Minifield if OSP just fights smart. I think he just grapples with him, doesn't let him get any power shots off. So I think he'll just use his, his wrestling and grappling to beat Minifield. Also the experience. I mean, Minifield only 10 fights. OSP's fought everyone and anyone in the light heavyweight division. Maybe OSP pulls off another Von Flew choke, which I would like to start the petition for that to be renamed to the Von St. Prue choke or something. How many does he have in the UFC? Like five or six? And it's amazing because if you know anything about jiu-jitsu, uh, it's not a hard submission to avoid. Like, you kind of have to screw yourself and get into a position and not recognize that it's coming like five steps earlier. Well, maybe not necessarily five steps earlier. Let go of a guillotine if you're on bottom. Is basically is basically the, the aim to avoid that. If you have a guillotine, but it's not like you don't have the guy in guard, let go of it. Because if the guy gets in mount and you still have your arm wrapped around the back of his head, he, you, he Von Fluchoke, he uses your own arm around his neck to choke you out. So anyways, that's my pick for the co-main event. OSP plus 105 with how cold I've been lately, I would go ahead and take Alonzo Manifield, probably take him to win by KO. And then in the main event, it's Pedro Munhos minus 250 against Frankie Edgar plus 195. Uh, I got to back Munhos. Now, like I've been saying, I'm recording this on Monday night, so I don't have prop bet odds. I just have the odds to win. Munoz by finish would be the way that I will go. I think Frankie Edgar's done. I love Frankie Edgar, one of the best of all time. 
one of the most likable guys in the UFC. But he's getting up there in age, and, and age is, is not good when you're a lighter weight fighter. You can you can get away with fighting older when you are light heavyweight heavyweight because the power always seems to be the first or the last thing to go, but your quickness seems to be the first thing to go, and that's what I've no, noticed with Frankie Edgar recently. He's just, he just he doesn't have the quickness or the footwork he used to. He's lost a bit, bit a bit of a step, which is not good, especially in the lighter divisions. First round TKO loss is last time out. Meanwhile, Pedro Munoz has been just murking people. Before losing to Aljamain Sterling in his last fight, Pedro Munoz finished both Cody Garbrandt and Brian Caraway by finish. Two extremely impressive guys to finish. Bet to make, like I said, in my opinion, Munoz to finish the fight inside the distance with how my UFC bets have gone. Go all in, all in on Frankie Edgar. I would fade myself if I could, but that creates a paradox that might end our world as we know it. You can't fade yourself. It's a paradox. That was actually one of the storylines in the Netflix show Dark. Uh, a gambler tried to uh, fade himself, and it just that's what caused the, the, the rip hole in time, the wormhole in time. Not actually, but Dark, great show. If you don't mind reading subtitles, if you like listening to some German, Dark, fantastic show. Just finished it about a week ago. All right, there you go. Those are my picks for baseball, NHL, golf, UFC, I'll quickly mention about NBA. Uh, I'm pretty open that I'm not an NBA better. I don't really watch it. I don't really bet on it. I do some live bets. I did hit, I didn't tweet it out, uh, but I did live bet the Trailblazers when they were down to the Grizzlies at the start of the fourth quarter. Uh, it was like plus 105 that came back to win. That's the only time I really bet on NBA. I like to live bet when the team who I think is the better team is down. Uh, get them on plus money. Um, but speaking of Trailblazers, I mean, like I said, I, I don't claim to be an NBA guy. But the people who think the Trailblazers are going to give the Lakers a run for their money, I think they're just being ridiculous. Trail, weren't they? The Trailblazers, I mean, Damian Lillard's obviously one of the best uh, shooters in the game right now, but weren't they like beating everyone they were beating by like right at the end of the game by only a couple points in the, in the, in the bubble regular season? Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I think the Lakers beat them in four, maybe five. I think that's like plus 225 for them to win in five, plus 300 for them to sweep. If I were to bet on the NBA, I'd make those bets. In the East, I like the Raptors, Canadian bias, most well-rounded team, best coach team, Lakers versus Raptors final. Your resident clueless NBA better is making his call, Raptors, Lakers, NBA final. Lakers probably win. All right. That's it for the betting portion of the podcast. Not quite as long as it was last week. Uh, it'll always de- vary in length depending on what's going on this week. Uh, NHL playoffs are kind of in the middle of the round, so I don't, I'm not going to go through the series odds. Hopefully a lot more of those can, will be concluded starting uh, for the podcast next week. Let's get into the second half of the podcast, the fun portion of the podcast. We'll be right back after this ad. If you're sick of using fake ads to work as a transition between segments of your podcast, head over to transitions.com forward slash bacon bets for 20% off a full set of transitions you can use in between segments. I'm, I'm not going to keep these <laughs> these fakes, <laughs> fake ads going. I think starting next week, I think I will have an ad that I'm going to slide in here, but I don't have an ad right now for this episode. It's only episode three. It's hard to get ads on a podcast when you only have a few episodes, Uh, but the numbers are good enough so far. I appreciate everyone who's been downloading, Uh, so I think I'm going to have an ad that I'm going to be sliding in here to this portion next week. Uh, So 
for this week. I just want to say thank you to everyone who's downloading. And a lot more people are listening to it than I kind of expected, which is great. It's growing, which is awesome. Um, obviously, if you want to support the show, like I mentioned at the top, uh, there's a support link in the description. Or click the link in my bio on Twitter to go to the Bacon Bets podcast website. Click the coin with a little heart over it up at the top, and you can donate through PayPal. I would very much so appreciate it, but don't feel like you have to and don't feel like you should uh, especially if you're kind of short on money, uh, given the current pandemic. But if you're rich, fucking give me money. I'm just joking. But not really. But I'm joking. But not really. What I'm going to talk about in this portion is the different kinds of sports bettors and what makes a good sports better. Sports betting is obviously evolving at an extremely rapid rate in North America and... Something that a lot of you might know if you follow me on Twitter is how I feel about certain kinds of sports bettors. Everyone thinks they're an expert. Let's start with that right away. Everyone thinks before they even start betting on sports, oh, I know what's going to happen. This is going to happen. This team's going to win. Oh, this team's definitely going to win. So, so many people start off right away claiming that they're a professional sports better on Twitter. Let me be very clear with you. There are very, 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 very few people who can make a living just betting on sports and living off the, their winnings. Sports books and casinos aren't made from gold for no reason. There's a million suckers out there. Now, I'm pretty open with how I am as a sports better. I keep my record pretty out there in the open. There's sports I feel strong that, that I'm confident in. Uh, college basketball is obviously the one uh, a lot of you follow me on that I, I do very well in. I hit around 55% two years ago, 58.7% last year, all spreads and totals. If you hit, and I'm just talking spreads and totals because things get weird uh, when you're betting on the money line. If you hit mid-50s, you're doing that's a very good season. If you're hitting high 50%, that's a that, that's professional sports better range. Um the 60% is like the holy grail. If you hit 60% on spreads and totals in a given sports season, then you're absolutely crushing it. Move to Vegas right now. Now, I said I hit mid-50s two years ago, 58, I think it was 58.7% this past year. I'm not confident enough to where I'm still, like, next college basketball season, I'm not going to be tossing down hundreds and hundreds and thousands of dollars on my bets. It could still just be very well that I just got lucky for two seasons. So if I have another season this year where I hit in the mid to high 50s, then I think at that point I will have uh, confidently say that I've figured out how to handicap college basketball. Other sports, not confident in whatsoever. I do the research. You guys hear me do the research. Um, a lot of this is just for content. I like to mix picks with entertainment, but I like to give reasons for my picks so you at least know where I'm coming from. You know what I'm looking at. Uh, MLB, I'm right around, I mean, most sports, I'm right around even. UFC this year, I've been terrible in UFC. Like I said in the UFC segment, fade me in UFC, you'll probably make money, and I am not ashamed to admit it. But I'm always trying to learn. I'm not, I, I look at why I lose my bets. I try to learn to how not to lose the bets the same way. And hopefully we can all learn together and we can slowly become a better sports better. There are, like I said, there's, I'm not going to go through the list of every sports and say which ones I'm confident in and which ones I'm not. What I'm trying to say is I'm very open about my abilities, and a lot of people aren't. A lot of people like to guarantee that they're going to win. A lot of people, you know the kind of people that I absolutely hate, Twitter touts. People who sell picks. Now let me backpedal a second. There's a spectrum of sports bettors. There's the professional sports better, the very, very small percentage of people in the world who can actually make a living betting on sports. Those guys 
to be blunt, and I think they would probably admit it, are dweebs. Those guys are math nerds. Those are guys who create algorithms, who uh, look at, you know, EV plus probability. They Like, they don't even, they put zero amount of, like, they don't put their gut feeling or their heart into any bets whatsoever. It's strictly they create an actual algorithm, which I can't do, and then they punch in numbers, and if their algorithm spits out uh, numbers where they think they can find advantage, they bet on it no matter what, and then they slowly adjust their algorithm um as they try to learn what stats are important and which ones aren't. I'm not smart enough for that, or maybe I, I might be if I really paid attention enough to it, but that takes a lot of time. That takes a lot of time. That takes a lot of effort. To me, sports betting is more about entertainment more than it is about money, so I'm not in that category. Those kind of guys are guys like the Jeopardy guy. He's a professional sports better. Uh, he's obviously an extremely and extremely smart guy. These professional sports bettors are math nerds, are analytic nerds, are statistic nerds, are you know computer program bro- programming nerds. And then you have the other end of the spectrum, the Vegas Dave spectrum, <laughs> which if you guys don't know Vegas Dave, he's probably the most famous guy of just, I mean, he just lies about his record. Like he was selling his package for MLB and he said he guaranteed to go 50-0. Like, just to the point where, like, I don't think anyone actually believes him anymore, but I'm still kind of confused where he gets his money. Uh, and, I mean, he's a record time and time and time and time again. He will he puts out his pick, and then it'll lose, and then afterwards he'll just claim that he's on the right side. Like, he's just, he's, he's the pinnacle of scumbag, no morality, just trying to scam as many people out of money. He doesn't, he'll lie to your face. He'll, you know, he's, he's the worst of the worst. So, two complete different spectrums on the sports better uh, spectrum. You got the nerds, who very, very, very few people who can do it for a living. And then you got the Vegas Daves, who just openly scam everyone. He knows it, we know it, we all know it. Now, an issue where actual professional sports bettors, an issue that they run into is being able to bet. Because if they bet at certain sports books and sports books figure out, oh, hey, this guy's a sharp better, he actually knows what he's doing, they ban him from the book. There's no law against just banning guys from books and not allowing to bet on them. So they have to hide their identity they have to use proxy services to place bets they have to do a lot of workarounds in order to make money from sports betting so basically all those guys who do that don't put out picks because they don't want their identity to go to be out there uh they're very they're very secretive they have to try to hide their identity they use proxy services so a big red flag already is a professional better who's selling selling packages and uh out there in the open saying he's the greatest sports better of all time if he was He'd be making all his money betting on sports. He wouldn't need to sell packages. So that's the first red flag about people who sell picks. Now, I will say there are a select few people who do sell picks that I see on Twitter that I uh, that I do trust. Uh, Ski Profit is one of them. Uh, big WNBA better, uh, NBA better. He works for Wager Talk, I think. I trust him. I still wouldn't buy packages because I just have no interest in buying someone else's picks. Uh, but I don't want to lump everyone who sells picks into one group. The group that I hate are the people who you, you don't see their face. Uh, they just have a random picture as their avatar. They use a million emojis every time they tweet. They lie about their records. Um, also, a big thing that I've seen recently is a good sports better will talk about units and how many units they're up or down. They don't use monetary values because I'm seeing certain people on Twitter right now. They're betting $30,000, $40,000 a game, which is absolutely ridiculous. And then they occasionally hit one, and then everyone thinks they're, you know, fucking 
the best sports better of all time, and they claim to be because yeah, if you hit thirty thousand dollars on a plus five hundred or something pick and you win a couple hundred grand, you look great. But if you're betting thirty thousand dollars every single time, I highly, highly, highly doubt you're winning long term because the sports book wouldn't let you keep betting there. Sports book's not gonna just. <laughs> Let a guy who bets $30,000 a game keep betting. They're just going to ban him from the sports book. So if you see a guy who's posting tickets and they're all from the same sports books and they're tens of thousands of dollars, uh, the fact that the sports books are letting him uh, bet that much and that often, that gives you a sign. Sports books aren't in this to lose money. Sports books are smart. They're smarter than the average person. So when you get close to the Vegas Dave end of the spectrum, I mean, just look at these guys. Like I said, the actual smart professional sports bettors who do that for a living are nerds. They will not look like a guy who was a high school dropout. They will not use language of a, a guy that you see on the, on the you know in the bar asking if you want to fight because you accidentally bumped shoulders with him. A guy that looks like he has a neck beard and you know failed grade ten English. These guys are not smart enough to outsmart sports books. I don't want to rant about this too long because it kind of sounds like I'm complaining, but it, 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 I honestly feel bad for people who fall to these fall to these traps and pay for picks from these just morons. I mean, at least Vegas Dave does it so obviously and so in your face that it's like, hey, if you fall for that, then that's kind of on you. But it's these guys who who... You know, they'll lose for three weeks straight and then they'll win one big bet and then they claim they're the greatest better sports better in the world and start selling picks. Follow these guys long term. Look for red flags. Are they betting thousands and thousands of dollars at the same sports book without getting banned or put a limit put on their bet? Do they look like guys who probably didn't graduate high school? Is their bankroll, how is their bankroll funded? How, how, how did they get their money? I just don't want I just don't want people to fall for scams. I'm very open. I think I'm somewhere on, in the middle of the spectrum, but at the same time, I I think of myself more as a content creator more than a uh, professional sports better. Maybe I'll get there someday in college basketball. I mean, this the goal is to always become a professional sports better, but be realistic. Be realistic about where you stand. That's my rant. I'm sick of seeing people fall to these scams. Listen to people who give advice, maybe some people who give some free picks, learn how to handicap these games yourself, and then just put your money where you think it should go. That's that's what I got to say on that. There's a spectrum to sports bettors, and I just wish people were a little bit more educated on what that spectrum is and where people lie on that spectrum. Another good, uh, I'll give out another Twitter account that's more on the spectrum of actual professional sports better, Rob Pozzola. Do any of you guys follow Rob Pozzola? I'm sure a good portion of you guys do. You don't see him selling picks. And I, I mean, I love Rob Pozzola. He, he, he seems like a great guy. I've never met him. I like following him. He's very smart. But that's exactly it. He's very. He's obviously an extremely intelligent person. He's not a guy who's a neckbeard who try to bum a cigarette from you and then punch you in the face afterwards at the bar. You know what I mean? Jersey Shore rejects. Stay away from those guys. Judge their character. Professional sports bettors are nerds in the best way possible. Anyways, that's the end of that rant. One last thing. Um, this coming week, just a little personal news. 
the real ones are the guys who stick around to the end of the podcast. I love you guys who stick around to the end. Big, I'm big. I got a big golf event coming up this weekend, East Coast Cup. So myself, seven other guys. There's a small group of us have been trying to schedule a golf tournament in the summer for like the past five years, and every year guys back out, it gets canceled, it doesn't work out. Uh, this year we had it scheduled for June. We had to then delay it. It looked like it was going to get scheduled or canceled again because of Corona, but now we are able to reschedule to this upcoming weekend for a golf trip. So there's eight of us going total, a little Ryder Cup style tournament. We're going all out. We got team shirts, team red against team blue, customized shirts, customized logo. We got a big trophy made. Uh, the winners each year, we want to make it a yearly thing. The winners are going to have the their names engraved in it. It's going to be a whole thing. So we're going to the beautiful Canadian province of Prince Edward Island. Some of the best golf courses in Canada. The East Coast really is a good place for golf, at least in, in the East Coast of Canada. Maybe not New Brunswick. New Brunswick isn't good for anything. It's the fucking asshole of Canada. I lived in New Brunswick for five years, I can say that. It has some decent courses. It doesn't have any really nice ones. Cape Breton. Cape Breton Island. The island part of Nova Scotia. Uh, we're have three of the top 100, three of the top 10 courses uh, in Canada just in Cape Breton Island. So East Coast has some very good golf courses. We're going to PEI, two rounds at uh, Bru- uh, Brudenell, one round at Dundrave, and then Sunday, singles match play, Crowbush. It's going to be a time. I'm setting the odds. Play some bets with your friends. My team, Team Blue, I'm setting ourselves as... Plus 110 underdogs, red team, minus 110 favorites, no vig, no juice because there's no bookie. Make a bet with your friends. It's a wide variety of handicaps going on this trip. The best guy, the best of the eight has a five handicap, and then the worst has a like a 32 handicap. So wide range. I'm on the team that has the best guy, but also the worst guy. I'm in the middle. I'm definitely not a five handicap. I'm not a 32 either. I'm not going to say what my handicap is because I still find it kind of embarrassing, but I'm not the worst. The other team, I'm making them the favorites because they're a little bit more well-rounded. So Friday, Brudenell, opening tee shot, four ball. Then we're playing Dundrave Saturday morning, four ball again. And then Brudenell, third time Saturday afternoon, scramble, two-man scramble, 2v2 scramble. And then Sunday is... One versus one, match play, Crowbush. Crowbush is the nicest course in PEI. I think it's the 40th ranked course in Canada. That's going to be a big round. I'm going up against Robert Trites. If any of you Odd Shark OGs, you will remember Robert Trites. He used to be a content guy. Me versus him on Sunday, we've been trash talking. I refuse to believe he's a better golfer than me. I refuse to believe it. Refuse! He's been scoring better than me this year, though. He's He's been beating me. So I, I, so what I did was I was supposed to, with the handicaps, I was supposed to get like three, three or four strokes on him. I refuse those. I am going, we're just going to go straight up. We're the last group out on Sunday, and it, so it might come down to us, and I'm, I'm foregoing my, my strokes. I'm going to play him straight up. I refuse to believe he's a better golfer than me. I will beat him in Crowbush, and I'm going to do my best to bring the East Coast Cup back home to Nova Scotia for Team Blue. We're going to drink champagne out of it on the 18th green. It's a beautiful trophy. The shirts are nice. Hopefully I'll tweet out some pics or, or some some pictures, uh, some videos during it uh, throughout the weekend. Um, so as a side note, I will have no bets on Twitter from Friday through till Sunday night. Well, yeah, till Sunday. So 
Don't tweet at me for picks. I won't have them Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I'll be getting drunk and golfing, trying to win the East Coast Cup, the biggest competitive tournament I've competed in since, I don't know, fucking since my university football days. I'm nervous. I can't sleep this week. Especially after foregoing those strokes for Sunday's match against Rob. That's going to be big. East Coast Cup. Also, I tweeted a couple weeks ago about looking for new irons. I ended up going Callaway Rogue X. I got them for pretty cheap, around 800 bucks. Twenty-eight Callaway's 2018 model. Apparently, I, I researched afterwards, though. Maybe I should have done more research before I got them, that the... Uh, like the degrees are, are way like lower degrees, so like you can't get as high uh, high loft on them, but they go further. Which whatever, I took them out to the driving range. They felt nice. I got them shortened. My last irons were way too long for me. These ones I got them nice and shortened for the right height for my little five nine frame. So I expect to shoot well. I expect to shoot well. I'm not going to succumb to the pressure. I'm not going to choke like I normally do. I'm bringing home the East Coast Cup. All right, that's it. That's it for the third episode of the Bacon Bets podcast. Subscribe, if you will. Rate, review. That helps us out a bunch. Tell other people to listen. Donate if you feel inclined. Best of luck to your bets. I love you all, and I will talk to you next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.